Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of That's Entertaining. Joining me again this week is, I'm not going to say as usual, because, you know, he brought it up last time, but is Alex. Welcome back, Alex. Thanks, Nathan. Good to be here as a regular this time. As a regular, yeah. So, um, you know, this week, I I don't know if this is true for you, but this past weekend I was extremely busy, and I didn't get a chance to be entertained by anything except our discussion topic of the day. So, I haven't entertained by anything else this week other than Mission Impossible 2. How about you? I'm, I'm in the same boat. Very busy this week. I'm getting ready to go on vacation, as you are, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Right? Getting ready to travel, so um, I got in a nice viewing of MI2 last night, and... Uh, <laughs> We'll discuss it. Yeah. So but before we get into that discussion point, there's there's a little mini-review I want to spring on you. So, Alex, I bring with me <clears throat> Mountain Dew Dewshine. Have you heard of this or seen this before? I have not. I haven't either. I've never had it. So I thought it'd be kind of fun to try it right now, just to see what you think. Okay. So I'm all up for Mountain Dew. It's Dew Shine. Dew Shine. And it says made with real sugar on mm-hmm. it. That's interesting. I've had the Mountain Dew. Oh, yeah. You, oh, hear you that? can hear the fizz. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, have you had the Mountain Dew that is with made with real sugar? Clink. <laughs> yes, I have. Initial reactions on Dewshine. It's different than what I was expecting. It's not bad. It doesn't taste like Mountain Dew. It does not taste like Mountain Dew. It actually tastes like a... Sprite. Sierra Mist, something like that. Yeah. Except not as good. Yeah. It, it It's not bad. It's interesting. So, for those of you listening, I found it at a Kroger, which is a local grocery store. That has a four-pack of this. It's in a clear bottle, and it's clear. It doesn't have the typical Mountain Dew look. Um, I think it's supposed to be kind of like a play on moonshine a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. But. Definitely. Interesting. It's smooth. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like a harsh, like, soda. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it, it feels like it's a lot less carbonated. Is that just me? Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't feel very carbonated to me either. Mm-hmm. Like, you look at the bottle, right? Right. I it just looks open like it up. There's no bubbles. Right. Like, hardly any, if any. There's just a couple that are there. There are quite a few in my glass, though. <laughs> Maybe it's meant to be drinking out of a glass. I'm drinking it out of the bottle. Alex, I gave him a glass because I figured he didn't want to drink out of the bottle with me. Mm-hmm. Nathan's afraid of germs. I'm not afraid, just aware. <laughs> so... Any interesting? How, w- how would many you calories? drink it again? I, I would definitely drink it again. How many calories are in it? Uh, for this twelve ounce bottle, one hundred and sixty calories. Okay, so it's like a it's like Typical. a can of soda, right? Typical. Yeah, I mean, it is a can of soda. It's a yeah. bottle of soda. So, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. It's if you're looking for the a, a taste of Mountain Dew, this isn't what you want. But if you want to try something different, yeah, be interesting. And by the way, we are not sponsored by Mountain Dew. But hey, Pepsi, if you want to give us a call, I would love to be sponsored by Mountain Dew. Free (laughs) samples, send them our way. That's right. So, I thought that'd be interesting a little bit this week since we haven't really been entertained by much. We've been entertained by something now, some Mountain Dew Dew Shine. Well, I think they're they're trying to make a good play on like a cooler beverage. You know what I mean? Yeah, kind of like one of those malted things. Yeah, those things are 
I, I personally don't like those. I, I This tastes a little bit like that, though. But it's not quite as harsh. Like I said, it's not very carbonated at all. And, I mean, because there's no alcohol, you don't get mm-hmm. that, you know, burn in the back of your throat when you're drinking them. I think, but, I think you need a little alcohol in it. Add a little vodka to this, might be all right. It's dew shine, right? It's not moonshine. No alcohol in here. Yeah. So maybe dew shine plus moon for the alcoholic version. Dew shine plus moon. Plus moon. <laughs> nice. I don't know. I'm trying. Yeah. It's Monday. Uh-huh. I'll warm up. <laughs> so just a little bit behind the scenes, this is the first uh, of a series of podcasts that will be recorded a little bit ahead of time because both Alex and myself on different weeks will be on vacation. But you, dear listener, we didn't want to leave in the dust. So we will still be going over time this week to create episodes for you to listen to while we are on vacation that will still be released on a regular schedule. Wow, so three movies in one week? Yeah. You could almost say that that's like a mission impossible. No. That... Ah, come on, I'm, I gotta be getting better. <laughs> All right. <laughs> With that, why don't we go ahead and talk about our movie for this week, Mission Impossible, MI2, as it is commonly reduced down to. What do you think? Initial reactions, even at the very beginning, it's better than the first one. So I, I had just started watching it, and I got to like the opening scene to like where it does mm-hmm. the Mission Impossible intro, and I texted you, and I was like, I already can tell you that this is amped up compared to the original. Absolutely. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to like it better. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can you can tell that it's a John Woo oh, movie that, right off the all bat. throughout this movie, it's a John Woo movie, yeah. right? And, I mean, you got to love the remix of the Mission Impossible theme song, mm-hmm. right, in the background. There's, there's still subtleties in it that I didn't care for too much in the movie. Things that were overdone, lines that were oversaid. You, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, same same thing with MI1. And the story was okay. I actually think I almost prefer the, the story from the first one a little bit better. Um, but the movie in itself was filmed a lot better. I think this one ages a lot better yeah, it does. than the last one. Like, it wasn't... I didn't... Like, the last movie, I told you I got kind of bored with it and I was grab my phone, just kind of whatever. This movie, I, I felt compelled to keep watching it. Yep. In fact, Netflix, I was watching it on Netflix, it flaked out on me a couple times, and I had to go back and, you know, rewatch or restart it to that spot. Sure. And in another movie, like Mission Impossible, I might not be as inclined to do that if I'm watching it just on a whim. Right. But I was, I was drawn in more with this one for sure. I would definitely agree. Um... But yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely a lot more action-packed. And like like we said in the first one, it was only, what, an hour and a half in the first one, and it kind of felt like one basic story, mm-hmm. right? Even though there was things going on, it was just like the first part and then the second part. This one was two hours. It was almost two hours. It was a little there over, actually. There were lots of different, you know, parts in the story that escalated, and then they went to another place, mm-hmm. and then there was another part there. 
and it was just really well done. And I mean, I know you know Tom Cruise looks weird with long hair, but yeah, um, that, I don't like that look on him with long hair. I think that was a thing though, because this wasn't this was two thousand. Two thousand, yeah. So I mean, that was the thing at the point was like kind of a little grunge look going on, like the uh, Matrix movies and stuff. Right, and you know it's it's fine. I mean, I'm not I'm not gonna judge. I have long hair. What? Know. I have longish hair. Not not that long, but I have long hair, right? It's not short. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a good action movie, and there were lots of different parts in there that was definitely very spy-ish. Mm-hmm. But again, though, it's like some things. Maybe it's Tom Cruise's acting, but you know, some some lines are way overdone. You know, like when he was trying when the the girl injected herself with the chimera, and he's like. I'm not going to lose you. Uh-huh. And the music was great behind that, but because the line was so overdone, mm-hmm. it took away from the moment. Um, music, by the way, was really good amazing. in this movie, the score. Very much better than the first movie. And you know what's interesting is that, for me personally, I didn't have this, right? still don't technically, have this score um, because it wasn't available digitally. I was looking for oh, wow. it. And it must be before that time, but I ordered it, so I will have it soon, and you will hear bits and pieces, I'm sure, in this episode nice. of it. Perfect. Yeah, the remix of the, the theme song, I think, is uh, it was very, very catchy at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I think that's Limp Biscuit that did that little... Oh, really? The ding-ding-ding-ding-ding-ding, that little thing. Oh, yeah. Which this movie, I have to, rem- I have to comment, is that when it came out... I would have been 13 in 2000, and this movie was like the epitome of cool. Like, at, to me as a 13-year-old, I was like, man, it's so cool. Like, Did the, you the see John it when you were that age? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. The John Woo, like, the way he frames stuff, the, all of a sudden, Ethan Hunt is a martial artist, yep. crazy master who can <laughs> jump off of a motorcycle into another guy. I mean, and I said it last week, this is the movie where he became a superhero, I mean, literally, he was in this movie. He he fell down with the other dude. I don't know how far down, but they fell over a cliff, I think, at one point, mm-hmm. and then landed on sand. And I don't know if you jumped out of the building, yeah, with the parachute. I mean, just yeah. I don't know if you've landed on sand, but it still hurts. It mm-hmm. it breaks it. It moves a little, but it's still solid. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It, it's a great movie, though, as far as uh, the action goes. Oh, definitely. The fight scenes are filmed really well. I mean, mm-hmm. that's John Woo right there, right? Where he runs in, the birds are flying all around him, and he and he uh, does the flip and then, uh, you know, lands his foot right on the guy's chest. Mm-hmm. That's John Woo. That's oh, yeah. right there. 100%. That's a John Woo movie. That's right. And I, I think it kind of resurrected the Mission Impossible movies. It, it um, gave it more, more, people, more people probably paid attention to this one. I would definitely agree. I mean, we look at the statistics, right? So, $125 million budget. Do you remember what last week, uh, what Mission Impossible 1 was? 85. 85. 85, right? So, quite a bit more. But The only big name you had in this one was Tom Cruise. Like, last week you had a couple other bigger names. Well, Anthony Hopkins was in it, let's not forget. That's true. I mean, he wasn't in it for very long. And he he was actually uncredited. I don't know if you noticed that. Really? Yeah, so, I mean, it was more of like a cameo appearance. I don't remember if he makes an appearance in the other movies or not. But, I don't know. I recognized Anthony Hopkins, obviously, 
who wouldn't? And uh, Brendan Gleeson, I thought, was a pretty recognizable face. Who was he? He was the, um, let me look up his name. He was the guy that was uh, uh, John McCloy. He was the guy that um, oh, was in the, the limo and they yeah, pretended that the, he had been infected. Yeah. The, I want to say Pfizer executive, but whatever. The, the, right. Yeah. The, I can't remember what the name of that. Yeah. Pharmaceutical. Guy. Pharmaceutical, yeah. Yeah. The, the, yep. Um, but he was, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, they brought back uh, Ving Rames. Right. right. He was from the first one. But yeah, other than that, I mean, the, the female lead was basically unknown, right, at that time. I still don't know who she is. I've seen her in other things. Thandie Newton. That, that's Naya? Yeah, Naya. I, I think I've seen her in other things, but I think I also confuse her with, like, either Zoe Saldana or Penelope Cruz. Yeah. And, and then you also had the antagonist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Sean Ambrose. Doug Ray Scott. I that I mean these are not household names, right? Mm-mm. And they weren't in two thousand. They're not now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. But if you think about movies like this, spy movies, right? James Bond came out, and it was a big deal. To have an antagonist and the female lead be virtually unknowns, that's hard to do. Mm-hmm. And and I they, I think they did a really good job. Yeah. I mean, movie made five hundred and forty-six million, so still not quite there, right? Speaking of making five hundred forty-six million, just as a side note, oh, Jurassic we have World, some really good news. <laughs> Jurassic World has made over five hundred million in wow. since its debut. It is the fastest grossing to hit five hundred million, and of twenty fifteen, it is the highest growing grossing film so far. Why do you think? Why do you think it is like that? Why? Why, why the rage? Right? I mean, this is. What, 10, 10 years later, 15 years later, since one of the Jurassic Park movies came out? It's either that or Chris People were just itching Pratt. for dinosaurs? I mean, we just saw Godzilla not that long ago. Mm-hmm. I think it's either that or Chris Pratt, you know? And I think it's just the wonderment of it. But anyway, we're talking about Mission Impossible right. too. Right, yeah, let's not get distracted. <laughs> God, Jurassic Easy to World do. is so good. <laughs> so, when you look at this movie, I was watching it last night. Uh, yeah, you got the ridiculous set pieces and things like that. And you had that shootout, especially like when that at the point where Naya injected herself with the chimera. Mm-hmm. You had that shootout there that happened, which is a really good action piece. You didn't have any shootouts in the first Mission Impossible movie. I don't think. I'm trying to think of one. I don't think there was. I, I might have fallen asleep. <laughs> I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Because the only things I can remember that there were actually gunfire in that movie were when John Voight, like, shot at his camera thing. You know, oh, yeah. like, oh, Ethan, I'm dead. And then uh, at the end when he shoots his wife, when John mm-hmm. Voight. So John Voight's the only gunman in that movie as far as I remember. Yeah. And, I mean, everything else was just explosions and that's pretty much it. Yeah. Explosions and then the, the um, train helicopter at the end. Yeah. So I think that's it's... Interesting. Yeah, I think it's, it's, this movie is amped up. Do you think we become more of a violent society from 1997 to 2000 or whenever the first and the second one came out? That much more? We've become much more gun-focused since then? It, possibly. Guns but, equal action. But, I mean, that was that was it, right? Matrix, again, the year before this movie, guns. Yep. I need guns. Like, guns everywhere in that movie. Yep. And... It was kind of a big thing to kind of incorporate martial arts and 
uh, gunplay together, which is what they kind of started to do with this movie, too. Right. There's a lot of wire, uh, like, flipping around and stuff. And I kind of like there's that little homage to that the first scene, scene. Yep. Mm-hmm. when he, like, you know, goes down into the vent and, like, stops. Yep. Absolutely. But uh, it was it was an, a lot more enjoyable, I think, uh, than the first one. And I think it has to do with the score. Hans Zimmer, or Hans mm-hmm. Zimmer, again. Uh, one of my... People often complain about Hans... All right. I'm just going to say Zimmer's work, because I don't know how Hans. you actually pronounce... I don't know how you actually pronounce his name, because I don't know if I should say it with a German inflection or an American. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, Zimmer's work is really either panned by being just the same thing, because he did, like, Man of Steel. He did the Batman, Nolan movies. Uh, he's done a lot of stuff which doesn't really have themes. It just has... He did Inception. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, but I was actually listening to the Man of Steel score this weekend, and some of his best work, I think, was in the Man of Steel score. This movie also, really good. Like, the 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 music that you heard really promoted, I guess you could say, the action. Really uh, worked well to move you along in the story and keep you invested, even when what's happening on the screen isn't much. But honestly, of this film... I think at most you have maybe 10 or 15 minutes of this two hours where there's not action. Mm-hmm. That's that's saying a lot for a two-hour film. Right, and that's that's a stark contrast to what we saw last week with the Mission Impossible original movie, which is all dialogue and just plot mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah, we, we can say like a plot in this one, Chimera gets loose. That opening scene, by the way, was pretty cool. For the, for that time period. For what a perfect way to open it, right? What a perfect tone to start off with. You know that John Woo is telling everybody right there, this one's going to be action-packed, and we're going to start it from start to finish. Mm-hmm. It's great. And, you know, when I was watching this movie, too, I was just thinking, if they had a subtitle to this movie, like they did with, you, they do with Rogue Nation or uh, Ghost Protocol, it would be, like, Game of Masks or something like that. Because mm-hmm. so many, like... Between Dominic and it's, Ethan, it's like, who's on a mask? Who's on? Like, Jennifer was watching it with me. He's like, I'm confused. I'm like, well, Ethan isn't being him. This is that guy. And she's like, I don't, I don't get it. And I was like, yeah. It's that's, okay. that's one complaint I do have about the movie. The first one, it was cool, right? They used it tactically mm-hmm. to show at the beginning, this is the type of uh, equipment that we have at IMF, right? In the second movie, it's like, okay, come on now. Are we all just going to get in a line at the end of the show and then everybody's going to take off a mask and they're each a different character? And, and being Rams is actually John Voight? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I don't... I think it was overdone in this... I mean, maybe to use it once, just like they brought back that scene, classic mm-hmm. scene from the first one, right? If they maybe used it once at the very, very end or something like that, just to pull off some big twist, that might have been okay. But to do it... Right at the beginning. Opening scene, yep. And then again. And the little voice modulator was kind of cool. That was a cool new, yeah, absolutely. I don't know how that works for like a British accent because it. <laughs> it's kind of funny when he, Tom Cruise is obviously talking and then he takes off the modulator and then he's got this British accent, which they don't even pr- pronounce the words or speak at the same pace uh, as Tom Cruise's character would. Right. But, you know, whatever. It's, Disbelief. It's a movie, right? But that did show a nice, this is how we've upgraded because mm-hmm. in the first one you, you know you had to sit there and you had to either pretend to do an accent or like when uh, Ethan was sitting on the train he had to be quiet mm-hmm. because you know he didn't have a voice modulator he couldn't talk like the person so I mean that was that was cool to see but again too many masks man I mean yeah and they did they did use it 
to good effect to that one point when Tom Cruise subdues the guy that had his finger cut. Yep. I forget his name, but he's been in other things too. Mm-hmm. And puts the mask on him, masks his mouth, sh- or tapes his mouth shut. I don't think that would work, by the way, if you break your jaw. I think you can still open your mouth a little bit to say <laughs> something. And for Dom to be like, ah, oh, that's, that's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, seriously, wouldn't you, like, Funny. I don't know. But, and then, you know, that was actually a really cool scene. And uh, the John Woo iconic scenes. All right, this thing was chock full of them, right? Mm-hmm. The doves. You had the explosions, the reflections of the eyes, and things like that. All this other stuff that was in this movie. Oh, yeah. And the scene where they're in the car spinning around with each other back and forth. Oh, yeah, definitely. So much spinning in this movie. John Woo is obviously known for all that stuff. Um, It makes it really... It doesn't take me out of the movie, but it lets you know that this is a Mission Impossible movie, but this is a John Woo movie. Right. So it's kind of like the the Iron Man 3. The director of that kind of makes all his movies kind of the same. Sure. I can't remember who was. Shane Black. All his movies are kind of similar in tone and feel. And they, Iron Man 3 was a Shane Black film with Iron Man. Mm-hmm. This was a John Woo film with Ethan Hunt. But. So is it a successor? What do you mean? Would you consider it a, a decent successor? Does it does it carry on the name okay, or would you would you watch the next Mission Impossible and say that's John Woo just doing a Mission Impossible movie? Would you would you take that out of the lineup? You know what I'm saying? Do, do these all flow together? Do you look at like what you said? Do you look at this and you say you watch Mission Impossible three and you're like, wow, that one reminded me a lot more like the first one than the second one did. Which would it, you just, I think it probably will actually. Think I think it, it definitely. From what I remember, it's going to. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually haven't seen Ghost Protocol in a really long time, so I can't speak on that one yet. But I kind of look at this one as John Woo's take on Mission Impossible, mm-hmm. rather than this being Mission Impossible 2. And I could see that. But I think that this movie, you could look at it as a standalone movie. Mm-hmm. They used Mission Impossible and the character of Ethan Hunt. It's pretty much it, right? Right. Theme song. Other than that, it's not a Mission Impossible movie. It's a John Woo movie. So you could watch this movie without ever having seen the first one and be fine. Right. And that's the point that I'm trying to make. Yeah. So is that a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's fine. Like, so Stanley has this thing with comic books. It's like every comic book issue is someone's first. Mm-hmm. Make it so anybody who's reading the issue, whether it be in the middle of the series or what, can know what's going on. So if they apply that logic to this film, it works. Because you go in here, you don't need to know... You know that Tom Cruise is somebody, because he works for the people, and he's on vacation, mountain climbing, without control. or or anything. (laughs) Which, honestly, was a kind of a cool scene. It was an iconic scene. When he does the little background hang. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember Ben Stiller uh, riffing off that at one point for, I think, MTV Movie Award or something. It was hilarious. Oh, um, but I think that it was a well done film. It worked out. Mm-hmm. I would agree. I don't think it's a bad thing that you can think of it like that because for us that decided last week that we may never go back and probably will not go back and watch the first one. Mm-hmm. Maybe if we go back, we're gonna start with the second one, <laughs> and that's that's it's gonna be fine. And you know what's funny with this movie? So Ethan's character it was brought out during it that he was like 
known for like a zero body count or something like that, or the other character was named known for putting as many people to die during his mission as possible. Um, it looked like to me, Ethan's character was shooting people just as much as Dominic's character was. Oh yeah. I think Ethan's body count may have been higher. <laughs> <laughs> gotta do what you gotta do, right? Yeah, I just don't know if they established that character uh, or kept in tone with what they were saying that character was through the entire film. Mm-hmm. But Ving Rams' character, again, did a good job. I, I liked his little, he was all fancy kind of Very now. good, yep. Uh, the helicopter pilot guy was interesting. And I don't know if he comes back for another one or not, because I know there's a big helicopter scene in the third one, but I can't remember if he's back for it or not. I guess we'll find out soon. Yeah. So, I'm... I can say to someone who's never seen Mission Impossible and asks, should I watch Mission Impossible 2? I'd say, yeah. I, but then, taken into the context with what I remember of the following movies is they're more in tone with the first one because right. this one is more action. Everything. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And the, other, the ones that follow are more like the tone of the first one. So if you've still never seen Mission Impossible, yeah, C1, C2, definitely. I would rank two above one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great movie to just, I mean, even though I've seen it, like with Mission Impossible, the first one, I don't want to watch that one again, right? With the second one... I could watch it. I could put it on the background. I feel like I could watch it again right now. If I have it on in the background, I could do whatever and, you know, occasionally glance up and I'd catch an action scene. Mm-hmm. And I'd be happy with it. And, you know, I don't have to think about the movie too much. And it it was good. I liked mm-hmm. it. Amped up, dumbed down. <laughs> But, no, I, I enjoyed John it. Woo. That's right. <laughs> John Woo. The only grudge I had, obviously, was just the, the masks. Just a lot of masks happening in the movie. But good set pieces overall. Mm-hmm. Good use of... Uh, Didn't see anything that looked uh, aged, out of place, like you did in the first one. Yeah, I mean, the digital cameras and stuff, but, you know, honestly, they didn't have a lot of technology. The glasses effects. were cool, even. The glasses yeah. still today could hold up. Those Absolutely. Those were pretty neat. Yep. I like the whole, you know, your message is going to destroy in like five seconds and the glasses will just take off. What if you didn't take the glasses off? Are you like blinded or dead? Yeah, I don't think they thought about that plan real well, right? <laughs> Makes for a cool I shot mean, for John Woo. But... I guess they don't really care. They let their IMF agents go on vacation rock climbing, right? Yeah, that's true. No ropes. No ropes. No ropes. So that is uh, my thoughts on Mission Impossible 2. Alex, anything else to add? No, I'm, I'm very excited. I'm looking over Mission Impossible 3 right now. Some of the names I see... On this list, I'm very excited to watch the third one. And like I said, I don't remember much about Mission Impossible 3. Here's what I remember. Is that there's a scene where, towards the beginning, Tom Cruise is like living a married life. Mm-hmm. And he's like a traffic coordinator. And he's like, so he says something about, you know, a, a single break can affect traffic for three miles. He's like, wow. Like, <laughs> he, he was basically being Tom Cruise at that point in, during that movie. Yeah. Um, but I remember that's that's it of yep. that movie. And he gets pulled away, I think, from like a party that they're having at their yeah. house, and that's when it just. Yeah, he like says no, and then he, yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman comes into play. But yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman is the other thing that I remember in that scene on the airplane. I mean, he has this iconic line Philip Seymour Hoffman does, and I don't remember it exactly. But you know, do you have a, you have a wife, girlfriend? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna find her. Now Lawrence Fishburne's also listed on the cash list here. Did you know that? Huh. Yeah, Lawrence Fishburne. Interesting. Did you know that J.J. Abrams was the director? I did. And did you know that Michael Giacchino wrote the music? I did, and I have that score. 
Jurassic World. I know. Again, I know. gotta bring it up. It's <laughs> that good. Going back around. <laughs> Everything revolves around Jurassic World, Star Wars, or Marvel. <laughs> so, for you, I have a question. And also for our listeners. Do you like Tom Cruise's hair long or short? You want me to answer right now? Yes, I do. You know, it looks weird, right? Because, like, I'm looking at a picture of MI3. Because he had long hair for, like, this movie, Vanilla Sky, Last Samurai, like, all those movies, like, in that time frame. Right. So I'm looking at a picture of him at MI3, right? And I think back to Mission Impossible, the first one, he has short hair. Mm -hmm. It makes more sense from a standpoint for him to have short hair. As a secret agent. As a secret agent. Makes you... Blend in more. Don't absolutely, stand out. Absolutely. Just a very common haircut. But I think it makes him look more B.A. if he has <laughs> long hair. Well, it works for the John Woo interpretation. Of That's right. Mind. So it was appropriate for the movie. It was appropriate for MI2. But um, on, a, on a regular basis, I'd like to see him with short hair. <laughs> there you go. So, listeners, what do you think? Do you like Tom Cruise with long hair or short hair? Next week, we'll be discussing Mission Impossible 3. Obviously, we've teased a little bit about that in this discussion. So look forward to that coming to your feed next week, which I will be getting ready to leave at that point. (laughs) Uh, I'll be getting ready to come back, so I'll be very sad. (laughs) So shoot us a review over at iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn. You obviously got this podcast at one of those locations or maybe directly from the site. Follow us on Twitter, at EntertainingPod, or shoot us an email, that's entertaining at gmail.com. Alex, you're on Twitter. I'm also on Twitter. Very inactive, but on really Twitter. Really inactive, really inactive. <laughs> if you want to get in touch with me on Twitter, it's at D-O-U-E-1-H-1. Same thing on Xbox, minus the at sign. I don't know why they have the at sign. <laughs> I don't know. It works. And I am at Sith Nightmare. S I T H K N I G H T M A R E. And if you're on Xbox or PlayStation or Steam, I am Spider Jedi. Ooh, intense. Intense. We thank you for listening to this episode of that entertaining. <laughs> you <all> forgot <laughs> the name? What are you looking at me for? I don't know. I forgot the name. <laughs> This is a mission impossible. Oh my gosh. Uh, we were doing really well up <laughs> this point, but the show is kind of off the rails now. I blame it on the dew shine it's that the I've been dew drinking. Shine. This episode is brought to you by dew shine. <laughs> so thank you again for listening. We appreciate it. We hope you've been entertained. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that there's no alcohol in this. It I, says not alcoholic, <laughs> but you might want to check. Okay. All right. We hope that you have been entertained.